Hello, and thank you for listening to Potential Health Podcast. My name is Rosie Piercy. I'm a chiropractor and clinic director, and I find the subject of health fascinating. In this podcast, every fortnight, we'll be discussing health from a different perspective. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Rosie from the Total Health Podcast, and I'm here today with Nicola Landless of NJL Counselling. Hi, Nicola. Hi, Rosie. Right, so today we are talking about counselling, um, which is... Uh, it's a thing we, we haven't really talked about much. We've had someone else talking about um, relationships at Christmas. We had Carolina um, talking about that, but we haven't we haven't really talked much about counselling itself. So, um, first of all, Nicola, let's talk a bit about yourself. What what made you decide to become a counsellor? It was through my own life experience, really. Um, when my mum died, I didn't know how to cope with it mm-hmm. all. We were really, really close. Um, it was quite sudden. I was quite young. Um, I didn't really feel that I could feel my grief around other family members because they were it's dealing hard, with their own it? grief. Um, so I didn't want to burden them because I thought, well, they're trying to deal with it themselves. Um, and my friends didn't really understand because they all still had their parents. Yeah. So sometimes I might so get one or two saying, oh, I understand how you must feel, but they, they couldn't possibly understand no. because they hadn't been through the same thing. So um, my GP actually recommended that I speak to a counsellor and so that's what I did and it really was a life-changing experience and I think from that experience through it being so positive yeah and so effective that it led me to want to train to be a counsellor myself it's interesting isn't it because a lot of therapists that I speak to counsellors or physical therapists they they go into what they do because they've like I became a chiropractor because I had chiropractic treatment and you become a counsellor because you've saw the benefits yeah. of counsellors. It's quite common, isn't it? To, Absolutely. To see how it can help people and, and the effect it, positive effect it's had on your life and want to help others have that as well. Definitely. And particularly around grief, it's quite a hard subject, isn't it? Because people don't talk about death. No. We don't as a as a culture, I guess, don't talk about death very much or have any contact with death really. So it's, No, I think it's something that people really fear. Mm. So they don't generally want to openly talk about it. Yeah. It's a bit so, like it's head in sand. La la yes, la la la. It is there. That's how some people cope by just switching it off. Definitely. So do you feel that general life experience helps when you're a counsellor? I would say so, definitely. Um, I think if you've experienced challenging times in your own life, um, it kind of makes it easier to relate to other people that are going through their own challenges. Mm-hmm. And I think it gives you a better understanding of their pain, even though everyone feels their pain differently. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if, if you've... It's just a reminder that you're a human being, I think, that if you go through difficult times and you've overcome them and you've got through them, but you know how it feels to be as low as you could possibly get and yeah. feel in that dark place I think that it does definitely help you to become more empathic yeah. with others that are going through dark times in their lives as well and I guess you must hear all sorts of stuff from stuff that maybe is really quite dreadful to stuff that maybe isn't dreadful but is dreadful for that person yeah absolutely so I guess maybe the more life experience you have or the more things that you that you see you're less judgmental because you're kind of like because that's what I guess one person people must worry that if I go and tell my counsellor blah blah whatever it is yeah. they're going to think really badly of me but in reality I guess you don't at all because no not at all um, I think that you just as as somebody in this kind of profession you become very very open to to anything happening in mm. life because life happens to all of us and things happen when we don't expect it to mm. Um, whether it's a marriage breakup or or 
um, sudden grief of a loved one dying yeah. um, or some kind of bad car accidents yeah. or that's what it says you know, life, is, life is what happens when you're getting off your plans <laughs> yeah. and we don't know how we deal with it until it until comes it to having to deal with it exactly um, so what, what, how do you train to be a counsellor because I actually don't know this which is something I probably should know but um, you normally have to start off by well it's a good idea to do kind of introductory mm-hmm. courses to begin with to really give you an idea of what counselling is all about mm-hmm. and actually whether it is the profession you want to go into or not so about probably about eight nine years ago I had to start by doing introductory okay. courses then I did my level level three at Basingstoke College which was a counselling skills level three okay and you you aren't able to go on to study as a counsellor unless you've done level three first before you then want to to go on to do a foundation degree or diploma um so you have to complete that first and then I went on to um complete my foundation degree at Peter Simmons in Winchester okay which was a further two years studying there's quite a lot involved then yeah so it's three years studying and as I say I did a few sort of other introductory things as well just to and so are you learning like how to talk to people as well as the kind of psychology behind the counselling yeah I mean a big part of it on level three introduction to counselling skills is is more about kind of active listening so it's actually training to to know how to listen to people which may sound a bit odd it's quite hard though isn't it to actually just listen because most of yeah. us are thinking about what we're going to say yeah absolutely so to actually learn to just listen and not feel the need to fill in the gaps if the client does pause so it is that active listening thing so you're listening you're with them but you're also trying to take that in what they're saying as well and respond to it so um yeah it's it's definitely about that kind of stuff as well in level three where it's it's learning to listen properly i think i would I, I, I find that hard when I'm... It's something I'm trying to learn more, just for general life, apart from just professionals, to actively listen and not be yeah. thinking of my response before the person's even finished their sentence. Because yeah. it's such a bad habit that we all do it, don't I we? Know. And yeah. it's trying not to do it. It's quite hard. Yeah, anyway, so that was slightly off the questions we were going to okay. ask, but it suddenly came to my mind that I don't... I don't know how you train. Um, <laughs> not that it's just interesting. Anyway, so... But then, um, actually, just pausing yeah. you for a moment there... Um, there's always lots of CPD that you kind of do on top of that as well. To so keep your you've skills up to date. Yeah, there's there's always new stuff that it's always out new. there that we can learn. And so. people have their particular interests they go into, don't they? Yeah, and I think that changes over time as well, yeah. that if you kind of become more experienced in grief or bereavement, mm. um, that you then become more interested, well, not more interested, but interested also in learning about another area, whether it's anxiety and depression or... Um, do you have a favourite area, so to speak? Um, or do you like a mixed bag? I'm more of a mixed bag, really. Yeah. So um, it's quite general counselling that I offer. So anything from loss and bereavement mm. to um, childhood abuse mm. issues, um, self-esteem problems, relationship problems. Um, yeah, abs- absolutely loads of stuff. I think every client I see comes with a different... And I problem. guess cause I, I imagine it must be in a similar way to my work. I, I would see myself as a very general chiropractor, and I treat lots of different things. Yeah. And I have some things I really, really enjoy treating, but I, I like yeah. treating everything more or less. Is it you can have the same problem 
in three different people and it will be you know it might for instance for me it might be all be back pain or for you it might be all anxiety but it all plays out in a different way for each person yeah very different because I look at it that all of my clients are unique they're all individuals so even if I have three clients coming to me who have suffered a bereavement Mm. they'll all deal with it very differently and the relationship they had with that person that's died would have been very different as well and perhaps their coping mechanism for dealing with the grief is very different to the other people as well so everyone is unique that's making it very interesting it does no two clients are the same or no two issues are the same so and does it ever surprise you how you might have someone come in who looks very together when they walk it through the door and then they fall to pieces completely in the session and then five minutes later they walk out and you wouldn't know that they're just carrying all that stuff no it doesn't surprise is that what you have quite a lot people just hold it in Absolutely, and I, I think that that is still a bit of a cultural thing as mm-hmm. well in this country, that it's kind of stiff upper lip. Yeah. I've got to look like I've, I've got all of this together and I'm handling everything really well. So we can often put on this brave kind of persona. Put your face on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But then as soon as we feel safe enough to, so maybe my clients who, to the outside world, they want everyone mm. to see them with this strong person and they, they've got things under control... But actually, sometimes all it, all they need is a safe space to come and sit down and talk where they have that kind of peaceful environment. Nobody else sort of looking at them or judging them. They have that space to just cry if they want to or shout or whatever they feel the need to do they at the need time. To get out. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's what... Is that what counselling gives you rather than talking to your friends and family? Because if you talk to friends and family about stuff, they all have an opinion on your life, don't they? Whether it's a good opinion or a bad opinion. But I guess if you go to a counsellor, it's that, as you're saying, it's that safe space, isn't it? There's no judgment, yeah. is that right? <clears throat> yeah, completely. Um, I think the thing is with going to friends or family is that they naturally want to fix you mm-hmm. um, and tell you what you should do. And, you know, often clients have said to me, that they feel bad if they burden others with their problems. Um, so I think that's the difference with going to a trained professional. You know, it's a very different experience as you're not going to be judged. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't have to worry about burdening the counsellor. Um, you can just be yourself and will feel heard and understood. And together you find a way of coping with whatever issue it is that the client brings. Whereas I think it's a very different scenario if you go to family or friends and that's through my own experience when I've had sort of problems throughout life. Because often you don't want to be fixed, do you? And I guess the counsellors don't try and fix you, do they? They just try and let... Am I right in saying that they just let you process? Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And they're with you throughout that process. Mm. They're kind of... They're with you to... I like the expression that I'm witnessing somebody's experience. Oh, okay. so I'm, nice there, I'm there with yeah. them. I'm not there to rescue them, but I'm there with them for this mm. difficult past of their journey. So I'm there to, to hear them, to hear how they're feeling, um, to encourage them to feel what mm-hmm. they feel rather than telling them to, you know, stop, stop the tears. You don't need to cry. It's not <laughs> going to help. Which, of course, some family members or friends may have said to them yeah. because it upsets them by seeing that person cry. Whereas with a counsellor, it's, it's very different because there isn't such an emotional connection as there is with family or friends. And can you guide people or maybe give them a different point of view for how they're looking at things? Or do you not kind of do that as counsellors? I don't know that I'd say that I guide them. I think 
I reflect to them what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing yeah. from them. Um, and it's quite funny that sometimes people actually shock themselves when they say something out loud mm. and I reflect that back to them and they'll say, Do you know, I never realised it was quite that bad or I never realised that actually I am coping with it well because I've kept it all in my head and I've let things spin round and round in my head. But when they say it out loud, it doesn't seem the same as it's yeah. felt keeping it sort of in their heads. So they often find it really useful, me reflecting back to them that, you know, so what I'm hearing is or what I'm seeing is, mm. and I'll check out with them, is that right? They, that's the sense that I'm getting, but is that correct? But by me helping them to reflect on what they're saying, mm. sometimes they can see things quite differently themselves. Because we had that whole self-talk thing, don't we? That, that thing that we're always telling ourselves in our head. Yeah. And sometimes is that the sort of thing you say, people then say it out loud, and then you say it back, and then they're like, oh... Yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah. realise that. Abso- absolutely. And sometimes people will say to me that they feel like they're going mad because they've got voices mm. in their heads. But actually, it's the the kind of internal voices that we all have. Yeah. That kind of critical voice that says, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. But actually, when you say that out loud to somebody, you know, I will often point that mm. out to them and say, should. You know, that sounds like a really critical voice. Yeah. Where did that come from? And they'll then be able to relate it back to something that happened years ago when they were younger most of the time. So does anyone ever have a, a, a nice voice? Well, this is what I encourage. <laughs> this is what I encourage, you see, mm. because I think we can all be really, really critical of ourselves and we are our own worst mm. critics, I think. Because um, we wouldn't talk to our friends in the way that we exactly. talk to ourselves. Exactly, <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that yeah. I say sometimes to my clients. I say, so would you say that kind of thing to your friends? You know, do you judge them when it feels mm. like they're struggling a bit do you judge them for how they're dealing with they said no not at all I'm always really nurturing and really loving towards them and say well so what would it be like to apply that to yourself and why do people not apply it to themselves because there's a lot of talk about negative self-talk I find in magazines or internets or whatever I I think a lot of it stems from childhood yeah to be honest with you and I think sometimes parents aren't even aware I mean we all do our best don't we I'm a parent myself we all do our best with our children. We all make mistakes. That's what makes us mm. human. Um, and there's no I, guidebook, is there? For... No guidebook at all. And I think if if the children are hearing their parents criticise themselves, um, which, you know, I, I hear every day mm. if I go to the supermarket or whatever, yeah. you'll, you'll hear someone saying to the children, oh, mummy's so stupid, I'll never get anything right, or yeah. it's silly, I should be able to do this and I should be able to do that. So even if the message isn't directed at the child... Mm that child is going to learn that kind of behaviour as well, that, oh, I'm not any good and I shouldn't be doing this for me. Because if mummy thinks of herself like that, that, then I must be... Absolutely. So it's it's not even necessarily the case that the parents have given very negative Mm. messages directly to the child and said, you are this. Mm. It's the conclusion the child reaches if they're if they're learning that from other people around them that they look up to. Gosh, it's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> it is quite terrifying, actually. Yeah, but through self awareness, and yeah. that's what I do. I encourage my clients to become self aware of their behaviour yeah. and how they think and how they feel and how they behave because it's all connected. And through that first step of self awareness, you can then actually make a change. So is that the first step is to realise that I, oh, this, I'm saying this to myself all the time? Yeah. And that's maybe not very helpful for me. Is that the yeah. first kind of thing that Absolutely. you realise? And the aim isn't to stop that voice coming in because we all naturally have that critical mm. voice 
the aim is more to okay so when when we hear that voice let's acknowledge it let's not just ignore it because it's still going to be there. just gonna get a fog horning shout absolutely <laughs> so it's like let's acknowledge that voice but then how do we respond to it mm-hmm. so if for example the voice is saying you're rubbish you know no wonder you can't do this yeah so okay well, here's that here's mm-hmm. my inner critic critic again and i'll respond to it by saying actually i'm not rubbish and do you know what? I'm, it's work in progress. Yeah. And I'm okay. So it's I'm, a kind of I'm voice. doing okay. Yeah. So it's introducing that softer, nurturing voice that I think so many people lack. That's interesting. I wonder why we have a, a internal voice. As I say, it's it's all learnt from 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 parental figures, whether it's teachers or parents or uncles whatever whoever is an authoritative figure to us when we're little we kind of look up to them so we take on board all of these things that we're hearing around us gosh it is quite frightening isn't it (laughs) so how do you know if you need to go and see a counsellor is it like is it do you go when you like at your lowest point or can you go when you're just a bit worried or well again everyone's different um some people may seek counselling if they feel really low and they feel that there's nobody else they can talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, some may have heard from friends about a good experience they've had with counselling and therefore feel that they'd benefit from it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, or even GPs, they can actually refer people or recommend mm-hmm. counselling to people, especially for things like anxiety, depression. Um the official counselling body in the UK is the BACP. Mm-hmm. So, so is that like your governing body? or the, Do yeah. you have to register with them to say that you're a good counsellor, so to speak, or you're a qualified counsellor? Well, how do be- they work? because they're one of the, the big official bodies in the UK, um, often people who look to start training mm-hmm. to be a counsellor will look for BACP accredited courses mm-hmm. um, because you have to do a BACP accredited course to mm-hmm. be able to become a BACP member. Oh, okay. Um, and that is the place that GPs would refer you to, generally speaking. They would refer you to the BACP website. So if you were looking for a counsellor, going to the BCAP website would be a good start because you know that they're registered and they're accredited, they're, they've are accredited. they got their qualifications and yeah. they know what they're doing. They're not just somebody who's set up a nice room in their house to try and help people absolutely because there are training courses out Mm. there that aren't recognized by any of the professional bodies but these these places are still running these courses and training training people to be counselors within a year which yeah because i know from my limited experience of when i have patients in front of me who are upset that you just have to be so careful what you say yeah i mean my thing is more of a that's awful or that's hard let me get you a card for someone else because it's not within my training Mm. to deal with that because I'm not trained to deal with 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 emotional problems no other than to offer maybe very practical advice on what to do but um but yeah so it's so it's useful to know BCAP BACP We'll, so we'll put it it's, a link it's in the British <laughs> Association for Counselling and Psychotherapies. It's BACP. We'll put a link in the show notes if anyone wants to look to either we're training for a counsellor or if they want to find the counsellor, we'll put a link in there. Then that, that's great. And also there's another website um, which is reputable and it's called Counselling Directory. Okay. Where you can also search for therapists in your area and they're very, very strict on making sure that when you want to join the directory, you have all of the... Okay. qualifications oh, that good. are recognised as well. I oh, will put both of those on then because that's a, a good 
a good starting point if you're looking for a counsellor as to where where to look yeah that would be great um so how do you and so say you say say you're in say you're in Newbury for instance like we're in obviously we're at Total Health at West Bar at the moment we have several counsellors here how would you know which one you would work well with what do you do as a as a, as a patient I guess if you're looking for a therapist how would you choose one because you know there's lots <laughs> everywhere so if, say if you're going, you've gone to that website the, the British Council Association website and you've seen say there's 20 in Newbury how would you choose which one you think you would work with what would you recommend well this is really interesting actually because I have friends that have been for mm. counselling themselves who obviously I couldn't see because no. they're my friends so I'm already emotionally connected to them and I myself have recommended that they, they go through mm. to the BACP website yeah. as well and it's interesting how they've selected mm-hmm. the therapists that they've contacted how they because selected them. they haven't been interested in their qualifications at all or their specialist areas yeah. they've just looked at their photo oh gosh you have to have a really good photo then <laughs> Yeah, so I think if somebody's got a warm, friendly face, I mean, not everybody will look for that, but my yeah. my friends that I've spoken to about it, they've said that the person has to look really warm and approachable and friendly, otherwise they won't contact them. So it's really interesting how people do select, but then that may, I'm sure that's very different for I guess, everyone. I guess because if you're already on that website, then you know that they're okay. So you haven't, yeah. that, that's taken that layer of worry of, is this a person real in inverted commas yeah, or not absolutely um, and I guess the clinic here as well if somebody's coming to see you yeah. or podiatrist or whatever they, they probably are more likely to come here and use one of the counsellors yeah, here if here. they feel safe here and it feels very professional and you know it feels like they have trust in the clinic I think they're more likely yeah. to use a counsellor within the clinic just because they're used to coming here and seeing another professional as well because I always say that to trust people thing. if you're not sure to give them a ring because I find that you can, you know, with anything, you're, whether you're wanting, a, a, I don't know, a solicitor or, a, you know, a counsellor or whatever, if you have a five-minute conversation, you, you'll know if you can spend any time with absolutely. that person. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, with counselling as well, you need to both work well together yeah. and both feel that you can work well mm. together because it's, you know, it's a relationship of some kind. Um, so... I always say to my clients, when if I have a new inquiry, mm-hmm. I do normally say to people, um, let's have a 10-minute telephone conversation just to get a feel for if you feel I'm the right person mm-hmm. for you to see, if you feel comfortable with me, or if, it's, if they're presenting an issue that I don't have much experience with, I will then say to them, um, do you know what, I'd love to see you, but I don't know that I would be the right person to see because I don't have much experience in that area. And I'd then perhaps refer them back to the BACP. Or I guess if you, yeah. Or I've got a, I've got a few colleagues that are therapists that I may refer them on to if as you know well. Them, hey. And, and do you, would you find perhaps if you were talking to someone, you would just know, I'm, I'm not going to get on, this, this isn't going to work. Can you tell that in a conversation for yourself? Or is it, is it more about for the, for the patient to feel happy? Um, it's ultimately, it's about the patient feeling yeah. happy. But if they are presenting something that... I'm really not that experienced in. Yeah. I'd prefer to be honest with them. Yeah. And say, I don't have a great deal of experience in that area, mm-hmm. so um, I'm going to give you a couple of other names and perhaps give them a call and see mm-hmm. see how you feel with them. Um, because at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I am going to be able to give them my best. Yeah. And if it's something I don't know very much about, I may not be equipped 
with what they'd actually need from me. And I guess, do you have to be careful that you don't treat people who know each other? Or does that not matter? It's... Or does it depend how closely they know each other? I think it depends how closely they know each other. Um, And I wouldn't normally do it at the same time. And by that, I don't mean I I wouldn't see them both in the same room, because obviously I wouldn't see them both in the same room anyway. Because you don't do couples, you're more No, I don't do couples, I'm individual. So um, what I have done in the past is if I see somebody have some sessions with them mm. and then a few months later they recommended me to a friend of theirs yeah. but I'm no longer seeing them mm. um, I will then agree to see their friend and speak to their friend um, but I wouldn't generally see those two people that were friends at the same time give them sessions around the same time because there may be a bit of a crossover there that might be quite tricky if someone if I don't know Joe Bloggs is talking about I don't know John Smith going yeah and he did this and they're going he exactly. did that and you're and, like ah! yeah and that could actually get quite confusing as to what who you heard from what yeah what. yeah who's that, I hear that nightmare from. yeah I didn't say that to you damn it yeah, exactly yeah so yeah I have to be mindful of that or if if I've seen a wife mm. who's not been very happy with her husband for example yeah and we've done some good work together and actually she feels a lot happier about the marriage but then wants her husband to come and see me I'd kind of have to really question that as well whether that would be ethical because I guess you're kind of on your patient's side aren't you and you don't want to yeah so there's a bit of a fine line there really that is tricky isn't it so what happens in a typical counselling session because I guess maybe people people haven't had counselling they might think that you go and lie on a couch somewhere and do you know I did actually have one client that thought that I was going to do the Freudian thing with them and actually lay them down on a couch, I think, when they walked in. So they were actually quite pleasantly surprised. That <laughs> they walked into this very comfortable and welcoming room yeah. with just two chairs opposite each other with teas and coffees and things there. So I think they were quite relieved. Um, in the initial session, I will do an assessment. Um, so I'll take some general details from them. And my aim really is to get a feel for... Um, What's going on for them? You know, mm-hmm. what brings you for counselling? What do you feel you need help with? Um, and also determine if I feel that I could help with yeah. this. Um, but again, it's about sort of getting to know each other in the first mm-hmm. session, really. And if they'd feel comfortable seeing me, if I feel I could help them. And and then if they do decide they want to come back and carry on and have some more sessions, I try to give them a an approximate... Um, sort of rough idea of how many sessions I think they may need. I guess it's difficult, isn't it? Because people could suddenly three sessions in give you this whole new thing, and you're like, yeah, "Well, <laughs> absolutely." So I normally review yeah. regularly. Actually, if mm. somebody wants to just, um, I normally offer them a, a regular sort of weekly yeah. slot. So if they want to take that slot mm. and they're not sure how many sessions they'll need, I'll do regular reviews to keep checking in with them. How do you feel it's going? Yeah. What do you feel is beneficial that we're doing? What isn't so beneficial? Is there anything different you'd like to change about our work together? So I just I check in with them regularly. So it's a very it's about, active relationship then, really, in terms of it's not you saying you must come this many times. It's the, no. the patient or the client, you tend to call them more, but the yes. patient has... Yeah control over what's going on as well yeah absolutely and actually in the first session we'll normally make a bit of a verbal contract of what we want to work with or what the client wants Mm. to work with um just so it gives us some focus and again that focus may change yeah as you said somebody may come to me thinking that their main issue 
is the anxiety they feel. Mm. And then five sessions in, once they've explored that more, realise that actually it's all to do with the relationship they had with one of their parents when they were small and it's still difficult and now. And that's massive stuff, isn't it? That's yeah. not, that's not a, two, a two session fix, is it really? No, so there is no quick fix and it, it really varies. So some people, I've seen one person for four sessions that had some pretty difficult stuff that they were going through and they felt much better after mm. four sessions. I, I was thinking they may need sort of eight to ten sessions but after four sessions they felt much better so they moved on so I don't sit there and tell people what they have to it's just a recommendation it's my recommendation but ultimately it's about how the client feels and they'll move on when they're ready to and that may be after four sessions maybe after six maybe after ten some people will just see me indefinitely so I guess it's bizarre, isn't it? Because people seem to... And I don't think because we have the NHS, and I love the NHS, nothing against the NHS, it's amazing. But we have a thing about paying for healthcare, don't we? And we've talked about this before, haven't we, off yes. mic, of yeah. how people will quite happily go and have their nails done yeah. every couple of weeks or however often it is. Yeah. But they wouldn't want to go and see a counsellor every couple of weeks or every month or whatever because it's like a... Oh, it's a health thing. Yeah, it is. It is it's quite funny, really, isn't it? The mentality that we have as human beings... Because I think that if you're somebody that's used to using retail therapy, if you yeah. feel a bit down, yeah. so whether it's going and buying yourself a new pair of shoes or a new coat or having your nails done or having your eyelashes done, um, I think that that's the easy go-to place. So I feel low, I'm going to go and treat myself to a pair of shoes. And you feel better for half an hour, an and hour. And you might feel better temporarily. Yeah. I've done it myself in the past. Mm. We all have. And you think, oh, I feel great because I've got that jacket I've got that, that I've been dress, saving for. I look lovely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But the trouble is the problems don't go away yeah. because you've got that new jacket. Mm. But it's, it is quite an interesting question, actually, because... Um, I think people do tend, again, this is generalising, I know, so I don't want to generalise, but I think people do tend to go to the place of, well, I don't have much money at the moment, so I can't afford Mm. to go and see a counsellor. Yeah. Um, But they will still go and have their hair done for £150 and have their nails done because that makes them feel better physically. But it's not looking after. But mentally, they're not. And, and I'm not feeling any better. I often feel that it's not, not so always. It's not always about the actual money, is it? It's more that actually that if you go and do your nails or buy the lipstick or whatever, that's actually an easy thing to do. There's no effort really involved in it. Whereas actually going to, even if it was like, even if you were having it free on the NHS and you're going to talking therapies or what have you. Yeah. It's, there's work involved in going to a counsellor and unpacking all this stuff that possibly you've hidden deep and down inside yourself for many, Absolutely. many years. Yeah. It's painful and it's hard work. Absolutely. And you have to really decide that you're going to do that. Whereas, yeah. do I want to do that or shall I go and buy a lipstick? Yeah, see, it seems much... <laughs> when you put it like that, it's far more appealing to go and buy, buy a lipstick but... or some new perfume because it's... That's a nice thing, isn't it? Whereas going to see a counsellor, it's not like oh, it's a relaxing. It can really work you massage. out, can't it? It can really, and it is tiring, and it's yeah. and it's hard work. But as you said, like for the client, you're saying you've got better in four treatments, even though she had lots of stuff going on. Yeah, you then have more strength, and more to give your life, and you are happier generally. Absolutely. So that's the kind of plus side to doing all the yeah. hard work. It's the long term benefits. Mm. 
Definitely. Some some people, I think it takes them a long time to decide they want to go for counselling because they know that they have buried a lot of problems mm. and that it's going to be hard, it's going to be painful. They're probably going to feel worse before they feel better. Yeah. But if they stick with it, mm. I mean, there's so many success stories, which I can't really talk about yeah. because everything's it's confidential. It's difficult for you to advertise yourself, isn't it? Cause yeah, you can't. I can't. The only thing I can do is... Um, you know, a lot of my clients have very kindly given me their testimonials, yeah. which I've got on my website. Yeah. Um, so it's really nice to get that feedback. Yeah. But it is, it's life-changing. Yeah. This work really is life-changing. Um, and I would say if we compare it for a moment to your work mm. as a chiropractor, yeah. if somebody is in agony with their yeah. back, I don't think they're going to care what they what they need to pay for that to get it fixed. Not in that moment. Because that is affecting their daily life and they're very restricted Mm. to what they can do. So they feel dreadful. It's a similar thing with somebody who's very depressed Mm. or very anxious. You know, like every day is a struggle. Yeah. I suppose it's different in the sense that it's mental rather than physical. Because if you're in that state, it's very hard to make yourself do anything to make it better. Yeah. Through the, the whole can't find a better word thing of the of the thing they're suffering from yeah the condition i guess the thing they're suffering from makes them yeah. not makes you not want to do anything yeah when it's that time that you need to take action absolutely is there any kind of like if say someone's thinking do i need to go and see a counselor do i not need to go and see a counselor is there any kind of like and i know it's not really this easy but like kind of well if you've been feeling low for this long or if this problem keeps recurring is that when you decide to go and see someone Again, I think everybody is different because some people have come to me because I've been recommended mm. to them by somebody else and yeah. I've helped that somebody else they know mm. feel a lot better. So therefore they've thought, oh, actually I could do it going to talk to somebody who's going to listen yeah. to my problems and, and help me work out a way to move forwards mm. and feel happier sort of in general. Um, or... It may, it may be the case that, as I say, the GP has referred them for counselling because they feel they could really benefit. Um, so everybody's very different. I didn't even think about going for counselling yeah. when my mum died. It was only through going to my GP in such a mess that my GP said, I think you'd really, really benefit from speaking to somebody yeah. outside of your family and friend circle. And he was absolutely right. Yeah. It, was, it was absolutely life-changing for me. And I never thought I would get through that difficult time in my life, but through listening to somebody else's mm. perspective and just being allowed to sit there and cry as much mm. as I needed to um, was so helpful. It just I cannot really explain how beneficial that was and how effective it was, but it, it has really impacted on my life. And it must be really nice now to be in a position to know that you can help people through that kind of thing Yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. So how long do you go for counselling? Is it forever or is it just... I mean, we've kind of covered this a little bit already, but is there any kind of time limit? Do you, can, can people come every month forever if they want to? Or um, That's quite an interesting question as well. Generally speaking, as I say, people will come weekly mm. to begin with. And some people then may decide, well, actually... I'm starting to feel better, but mm. I don't just want to stop altogether. So it's quite a safety net having a counsellor there, isn't it, for some yeah, people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they may then decide to come fortnightly. Mm. And then I have one client that now comes once every three weeks. Mm. So the gap is starting to get bigger. 
But as you say, it's like a safety net. It's although they're feeling in a better place, it's like some of them still say to me they benefit from just having an hour with me once every three weeks to just come and talk about themselves for an hour, do whatever they need to, shout, swear, cry. Kind of check in, I guess. Just check in with me. Some of them just like to come and let me know how they're doing and tell me about their successes and what they're proud of. So it doesn't have to be talking about a problem. That must be nice for you to have someone come and talk positive stuff. Yeah, it's it's actually really, really nice. And do you find that um, sometimes... Oh, gosh, I just completely lost my question there. That was no good whatsoever. Whirling around in my head and now it's gone. Um, no, it's gone. It'll come back. It'll come back, I'm sure. So I guess... Oh, that was it. Do you find... Because leading on to the next question, do you know? Do you find that people just stop talking, like they've got nothing left to say, and that's when they know they're better? Or is there other ways that people know when they're better and they don't need to come as much? Um, that's a good question too. I think people just generally tend to know... I mean, I'll, I'll use myself as an, mm. as an example. When I was having counselling, when my mum died, I just knew that mm. I was starting to need counselling less and less because between the sessions, mm. I was feeling able to stand on my own two feet more. Yeah. I was feeling more resilient. I was feeling more able to mm. cope with whatever I was feeling. It was okay. I was, I was able to deal with this. Um... So I think people just know they have a sense of when they feel ready to finish counselling. As I say, I have got the odd client that will still come to me regularly just to check in with me because they say it's the only time in their life where they actually have a full hour to themselves to just talk about them. And I guess maybe sometimes, because quite often, I don't know if this is the same, but I know... It's completely different, but I use it as an example because I can't think of it better. But um, like I have patients who do the same job every day, or you know, sort of thing. So they're they're going to have the same problems because they're doing the same thing. So is it? Do you think some of your clients find that because they have a tendency to think in this way or a tendency to act in such and such way that if they check in with you every so often, it kind of stops those problems from building? Do you think there's that kind of thing in it, or um, is it different than that? Possibly, and I think it's almost it can be used like a refresher when they come to see me so it's kind of it can be a reminder of the work that we have done Mm. together and sometimes I think people just feel they benefit from us kind of reiterating some stuff and saying okay so it sounds like you're starting to struggle with that again so what's changed what's happened there because when we spoke about this before, you were doing this, this and this, mm. and you found that really positive and really helpful. And just through, again, saying all of that out loud and yeah. reflecting it back to them, what I'm sort of witnessing, they'll they'll then sort of often realise that, actually, I am still able to, to do quite that. quite helpful. But I've almost forgotten that I'd got into that more positive that habit of doing slipping? that. Yeah, so some people, I think they like that, just to check in with me. And it's almost almost like a reminder to them that actually they're doing really well. And they can still continue to do really well. I like that. So there's different types of counselling, aren't there? Or different kind of theories. Do you have... Is theory the right word? Yeah, theories or modalities, we call it. So what do you do? What's your modality or theory? So I'm a humanistic counsellor. 
based on transactional analysis, which all sounds very fancy, doesn't it? So what does humanist... I'll put my teeth in. Humanistic mean? Humanistic. It's it's mainly a theory sort of based on the self and self-development. So I'm encouraging the clients to increase their Mm self-awareness, to develop themselves, to be who they want to be, to change what they want to change in their life so they have full control over over their destiny if you like okay that's quite interesting um, but there's lots of different modalities in counseling the psychodynamic which is based on the freudian okay theory so there's integrative counseling there's person-centered counseling there's different types of marriage counseling mm-hmm. um sort of modalities um there's family counseling so some counselors will see a whole family of people oh my gosh they're brave <laughs> So the dynamics will probably be quite interesting in the room with the whole family, I'd imagine. Um, I'm just trying to think, yeah. Yeah, So, but the transactional analysis, that's more a theory about how we transact. So we're having a transaction now. Okay. So it's looking at how, um, yeah, psychologically Mm -hmm. we interact with each other. Okay. um, And how that can turn into psychological games to gain what we want to gain we might play a psychological game with somebody gosh so um, it's looking at that all the behavioral stuff there is um it's quite interesting really interesting and it's very helpful to people that actually struggle in relationships because okay. it will it will make them aware of perhaps the place that they go to when mm-hmm. somebody says something to them and how they react to that uh, so they can examine and what's, what's going on there is is that a reflection of something that happened in their past Okay. Does that remind them of the relationship they have with their mum or their dad? Does um, a lot of it come down to your parent relationship with your parents or your early childhood? I, I think that we are who we are as a result of our experiences in life. Yeah. I think our experiences shape us. Um, but I think as adults, by being aware of how we behave, mm. we can actually change that as well. So... We can be, I, I truly believe that we can be who we want to be, mm-hmm. but it's just giving ourselves that time that we need to do that and giving ourselves that time to just be us mm-hmm. and reflect on what we want out of life. I think too often people are so tied up in their busy lives and working all the time and stuff, they almost don't give themselves time for them. That five minutes reflect. or ten minutes to go and do something you want to do. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite, um, it's sad, isn't it? Sometimes when you talk yeah. to people and you realise that, that, that either you haven't or they haven't for a week or two weeks done anything yeah. fun, and it's like that's too long. Yeah, absolutely. ten minutes of fun every day if you can. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and actually, just to very quickly yeah. go back to um, what you were saying about um, how people do seem to be reluctant sometimes to to pay mm. for counselling when they can go and get their mm. hair or nails done or whatever it is. Um, one client that I saw for a long time, um, this is a great example of mm. somebody who actually sees the benefit of um, counselling type therapy. She actually said to me that the way she looked at it, she didn't care how long she had to see me for, how long mm. it would take to, for her to feel better. But to her, it was an investment in herself. Yeah. Because she wanted to be a happier person. Yeah, that's so a really good way she actually didn't care about the money she said you you cannot put a price on enjoying your life and yeah. feeling happier so that was a really interesting perspective 
definitely um, is because it is important because I think we don't value our health until we don't have it whether no. that's physical health or mental health it's kind Absolutely. of like it's only when it's starting to go or it's gone that you realise yeah. how important it is yeah um, and how do counsellors because counsellors have to see counsellors is that right or supervisors or we how have, do you deal with all this because you must have hear quite a lot of horrible stuff and obviously you can't react to it in the treatment or the, no. the session sorry but it must be you must have to have a way of, sort of dealing with what you hear so it doesn't affect you yeah, I mean, I have clinical supervision mm. regularly. Sort of once Is that what everyone has? <clears throat> yeah, as a therapist, mm. as a counsellor, mm. um, depending on what professional body you belong to, yeah. which, as I say, in my case, it's BACP, mm. they state that you have to have clinical mm. supervision monthly. Um, and depending on how many clients you see depends on how long you should have your supervision for. Oh, okay. I didn't um, know that. That's quite interesting. And that, it's a great support system, actually, um, because you're able to offload to that supervisor um, about, you know, what's, what's going on for you. And although we don't use names of our clients, so our clients yeah. still remain so they're an- anonymity. anonymous. Yeah. yeah. I may say, oh, I've got a client I'm working with that's presenting with this issue. Mm. And, um, and I'm, you know... I'm struggling with with this in particular, mm. and they'll kind of reflect that back to me. So, so what's going mm. on there for you? Why is that particular issue difficult for you? Is it something that's happened in your own mm. life? Or so it is absolutely brilliant support supervision. Um, so yeah, it just gives me that opportunity to offload if I'm if I'm struggling a bit for some reason in my own personal life or because I guess kind of like myself, you can't talk about things that happen in the treatment room there no they're complete it's a safe space and i often have people yeah. talk about things that aren't relevant to the chiropractic that i'm doing because they know that i can't tell anyone yeah obviously unless it's that kind of they're going to harm themselves or others and they yeah. obviously there's special dispensations but generally it's a safe space and they can talk about their husband or their kids or their whatever yeah. and have a whinge because they know that it's yeah. going to go yeah. no further so they're getting a bit of free counselling coming to see <laughs> well, you then paying for chiropractic but also getting some free counselling they're getting a through. sounding board yeah <laughs> i guess i'm more of a sounding board whereas you're more yeah. of a, obviously the counsellor that's really interesting i feel like i have a different view on counselling so let me ask you the questions i ask everyone now so what is the best piece of health advice that you've ever been given i think the best piece of advice that my own counsellor gave me when I've had counselling um, in the past is to just take some time out for me sometimes yeah. um, it's easy to forget about yourself isn't it absolutely I, I think when you're a mum which I am and I know you are yeah. it's you're so used to prioritising the children yeah. putting them first and yeah. having to make sure that they're happy and that they're fed and the housework's um, done and the housework's done yeah. and um, whatever that it's so easy to forget about mm. yourself and of course it's really important that we look after ourselves mm. because if we're not happy and well how can we look after everyone look else look after everyone else I don't, so, know, I don't know if you find this but I remember someone saying to me once when my kids were younger well do something fun what do you like what do you enjoy and I can remember going well my eldest likes to do blah and my youngest likes to yeah. do blah. And yeah. them, what do you like? And I'm like, I can't remember. <laughs> it's almost like loss of identity, though, is. I think, isn't it? Yeah. When you become a mum, yeah. suddenly you're a mum rather than just you. You're Obviously, just you're mums. still you, but <laughs> yeah. you become somebody's mum. Yeah. 
and um, you don't even have a name anymore are you you're so-and-so's mum <laughs> yeah but you're still you at the end of the day so I think that was the best advice I was ever given to take some time out for me almost give yourself permission to do something and I think that, it's really important that you want to yeah. not what the kids want to or anyone else what anyone else wants to do what you want to do and what advice do you give your patients is there anything you particularly give your patients or your clients to do I, th- I think pretty much to all of my clients I ask them to be kind to themselves mm. and remind themselves that do you know what they are doing the best they can right now mm. because I think it, it's so easy to think oh well I can't do this because things are tough yeah. and I'm rubbish because I can't do this as much as I'd like to. And, yeah, I just remind them that you are doing the best you can right now. And sometimes that's... And be nice to yourself about it, rather than saying, oh, I I can't do this and that makes me feel worse. Actually, you're doing the best you can right now. That's fine. Through a difficult time. And what is your worst habit or guilty pleasure? Do you have one that you share with us? I think my worst habit is probably eating too much chocolate, if I'm honest. It's a, it's a common one, that one. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. I'm a bit naughty with Galaxy in particular. <laughs> um, excellent. That's been really useful. I feel like it's a really good um, grounding as to what counselling actually is because I think that people don't maybe don't really know what counselling... Because if people say, oh, I'm going to therapy or I'm seeing counsellor, but I yeah. think many people, unless you've had counselling, you don't understand actually what happens... No. When you're in the room, if that no. makes sense. Excellent. So where can we find you? What's your website? If you My want to look website up is www.njl-counselling.co.uk or, of course, you can find me on your website, oh, yeah. Total, Total Health, Health West Berkshire. Um, excellent. And also, I guess we should probably say that if you are... That, obviously, Nicola's private health counselling. Um, there is um, also talking therapies, isn't there, in West Berkshire? I think, I'm not sure if they're UK... Yeah, you can actually self-refer to talking therapies now. You don't have to get a GP to refer you like you used to have to. So um, we'll put a link to talking therapies as well as to to Nicola on on the website. Brilliant. Nicola, thank you so much. I found it really interesting. Thank you for having me. uh, Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Total Health Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you need any information or links from the show, they'll be in the show notes. And if you have enjoyed it and you're a regular listener, maybe you'd leave us a five-star review. I'd be really grateful. Or perhaps you'd share it with a friend or subscribe so you can hear our future episodes. Thank you so much. Goodbye.